In my day, I had the choice of a university in the city centre or Queen Mary College, which was a bit further out. The city university was 25 metres from the tube, and that's the one I went to. It was brilliant. But what's missing is a way to find which university is best to apply for. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105. In this section called Scientists at Work, we talk to people who, for some reason or another, find themselves working, researching or thinking about science in Cambridge, England. While schools have published their performance data for many, many years, it's somewhat different with universities. So, wondering about universities, I went to see John Green, who, in his time, has been a senior admissions tutor for a college. That experience led him to put his mind to create myoxbridgechoice.com, which is a unique internet web service. On the surface, My Oxbridge Choice is a website which has free information, but it's also a site where you can buy reports on the university course you're interested in. So I asked John Green about his experience of students applying for university. My Oxbridge Choice, tell us about that. What is it? It's a website which I started three years ago because I felt passionately that the way in which people chose their universities and chose their courses was not clear. They did it on the information that was given to them by their schools, very often by masters who were at that school or mistresses at those schools who were there 30 years ago and the information they were giving them was out of date. And if all of us make choices in life, we want to make informed, evidence-based choices. And for me, evidence-based choices mean I need data on which to make those choices. So, for example... We are all used to the fact that we'll use go-compare type sites to decide which car is more efficient. If we're going on holiday, we'll look at TripAdvisor or whatever. But actually, when people were choosing university courses, they chose Newcastle or Oxford or Cambridge because someone suggested it to them. They, by and large, did very little work at saying, actually, is that the right place for me? So getting data in a way in which people could interrogate the data and turn that data into information was very important. So where did you get this information? Interestingly, it's incredibly hard. For Oxford and Cambridge, surprisingly, has much more data available than almost any other university in this country. So I started with Oxford and Cambridge, which is what my Oxford choice does. And that has data on how many people apply to what colleges in what subjects, what kind of grades they have, what their outcomes are, what their degree results are, etc, etc. So you can start saying, actually, is my chance of getting a first if I read engineering at Oxford greater than getting a first if I read engineering at Cambridge? But having found that out, let's say it's easier to get a first at Oxford than Cambridge, is it harder to get into Oxford for engineering than Cambridge? You're essentially using data to manage your choices. Now, very interestingly, I got involved about two or three years ago when, in fact, David Willits, before he became Minister of Education, heard of what I was doing. And as many people will find out over the next few months, the government has required universities, all universities, to provide data in a systematic way. What do I mean by this? And Until now, universities marketed themselves like holiday villages did, like hotels do. They just marketed themselves and said, we're best in anthropology, we're really good in chemistry and whatever. 
How do I know whether they're really good? How do I know whether more people graduating in chemistry from Nottingham University are getting jobs than the people who are graduating from Manchester? And what are my chances of getting a first at Manchester compared to Nottingham or Leeds or wherever? And how many contact hours am I going to get if I go to one course as opposed to another? So my ability to compare in a data-driven way what I'm getting when I go to that university was impaired. Mm. Now, the government has now required universities to provide data on a consistent way. So from next October, everyone applying to university will be able to look and say, "Okay." This is how many course hours I will get in face-to-face teaching if I did this subject at this university. This is what the student satisfaction survey says, i.e. how satisfied students are. This is what the employability, you know, how many percentage of people are employed. So for me, using data is a tool to inform you in making choices. It isn't the only tool. It's like all things in life. In order to find out what's going on, you take pieces of a jigsaw and you piece them together. Data and evidence is undoubtedly one of them. But the interpretation of those results, and this is what science is about, mm. and this is what I think one should be applying to how one makes one's choices, it's into how you interpret those. And all of us will interpret them differently. So, for example, for me, it might be much more important than from anyone listening that actually I choose a university near home. But I'll give you one staggering statistic which, mm. which um, started me off. Overall in this country, people think that courses in media studies are, are pretty kind of low-level stuff and you haven't got a chance of getting a job afterwards. Mm-hmm. If I told you that that's probably true, on average, overall courses in media studies in the UK, your chances of getting a job afterwards in the media, i.e. In, in communication, media and so on, is about 15%. But if you went to South Bank University to read media studies, your chance of being employed in a media-related job is 95%. Don't I want to know that if I want to get into the media? OK, you've collected this data. Don't you have to get it into some form that I can use? Absolutely crucial. And how one puts data together in order to interpret it into information is the crux. So interestingly, Oxford and Cambridge chuck out all this data and have done for decades, but actually it's in all different formats. Some of it's printed, some of it's on websites and lasts for a year and then gets taken away. And what you need to do is not just look at snapshot data. So Cambridge and Oxford chuck out their data and put it on their website. This is what happened to last year's intake of students. This is what the satisfaction of all the hotels in Crete was last summer. Mm -hmm. Actually, what happened the year before? So which are the hotels which have consistently been top? Which are the courses and the results which are consistent? So you have to look at trend lines. The Myoxbridge Choice site allows one to actually interrogate data over 12 years. So you can begin to see what the patterns are. So out of data, you want to present it in an in a interface where you can play with it. And this site is free to the world. Anyone can go and look at it after April when we've updated it. And you can play with it and draw your own graphs and trend lines and comparisons and compare specifically one course with another at a different college and so on. And is, is there any bias in this site at all? Is it steering people towards Oxford and Cambridge or is it steering them away? Uh, From the people who've used it over the last two years it's been very interesting because we've had an almost 100% success ratio um, of the people who've used it in order to apply to to Oxford and Cambridge. I.e. they have used it to actually make intelligent choices not apply to courses which are fiendishly difficult. If I gave you an example Mm -hmm. um, if you applied to to Cambridge to read natural sciences, you have to apply via a college. 
And the average application's success ratio is a particular level of about five to one. Mm -hmm. If you apply to one college at the bottom of the range, your chances are ten times worse than if you apply to another college. Everyone's going to the university to read the same course and take the same exams, but because they have to apply for the college, and colleges differ fantastically in popularity, you could be doing yourself a real disservice by applying to a particular college. And many people up until now have chosen their college because of their parents went there, or they like the look of it on an open day, or it's nice architecture. You have to make decisions in life on evidence-based, and that's where data drives information and informed choices. Okay. Two quick questions about how you set this up. You said that the data was in a variety of forms. No one had massaged it into a form. That's something you've had to do? Presumably. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I think there are 240-odd different sources of data that we have, which we regularly update every year. Some of them come from printed documents, which the universities publish, and some of them come from the website, and we download and scrape them. So we have a person who literally will do some of the data entry, I used PhD students in physics to write the site. It almost seems that physicists are very good at software development. So I used PhD students in physics to write a relational databases and a content management system which underlies this site. And the power of the site is not in what you see, but as in many things, it's the engine underneath which is driving it. So the way in which you create that database is a clever bit. Excellent. Thank you very much, John. That was John Green. He's put the case for getting more science behind the very important decision to go to university. His site will get new data added to it over the coming months, so you might hold fire on using it just now. But you also need to appreciate that the site is a private enterprise, and so if you want to report on a course, the site will ask you for some money. That's pretty much all for today's show. Scientists at Work is made by the Science Show team on Community Radio, Cambridge 105. You can also find past episodes on the website, www.cambridge105.fm. You can also subscribe to future podcasts with the iTunes store. You can get in touch with us on the email science at cambridge105.fm or on Twitter at 105science. Till next time, it's bye from The Science Show. You're listening to The Science Show on Cambridge 105.